You're listening to Every Last Drop Podcast. Join me, Danny, Nick, and sometimes Luke as we explore the relationship between philosophy and art. If you enjoyed today's show and want to contribute to what we're doing, visit everylastdroppodcast.com slash contribute. We greatly appreciate your support. Enjoy the show. That's pretty good. Yeah. It is pretty mm. good. Good choice. Thank you. Uh, all right. Welcome back, guys. Hey. That's a nice little undertone, Nick. Thank you. Yeah. I thought it'd be appropriate so, for the return of uh, <laughs> the three of us. The return of the, what are the we? triad. The three amigos or the, three? The trinity? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we are every last drop. Mm-hmm. So in case you're hearing something different, which of course you are, we decided we're going to approach this episode slightly differently, and we had Nick plug in his electric guitar, Yeah, and so we're running that, and uh, got some nice little spaciousness on it with a little reverb and delay, just to make it sound nice. You better not disappoint. Mm. Pressure's on. It is. Sounds nice. Thank you. It sounds okay. Yep. So, yeah, we figured, you know what, we talk about things like being an artist and being creative, and then, uh, you know, why not actually implement it into the actual recordings that we do? Mm-hmm. Good thought, Dan. So, that's the idea. That's going to be fun. Something different. For sure. No. How's your week going, guys? It's going well. Yeah? It's going okay. You know what? I'm just going to get up on my soapbox here for a second and just talk about how much I detest winter. Oh, me too. And, uh, you know, we're here in the Midwest, and this winter just won't quit. And the funny thing is we actually had um, we had a, a about a week-long time in late February where the weather was just unseasonably warm. It was just 60 degrees. Yeah, we went to the day. beach. You did? Tossed around the frizz nets, yeah. Hmm. In February. Huh? Yeah. Never, never would have thought that would happen. Yeah, Nick. Yeah. yeah. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, it was a really out of the ordinary. I love storm. I love storm chasing, if you guys don't already know that. Right. And uh, it just so happened that there was a nice warm front and a perfect system came through in the at the end of January, uh, February, and I was able to capture a tornado. You can find that. YouTube.com slash StormChaserNick. I'm starting a vlog, and the tornado footage is in there. And it's just so unseasonable uh, for this to happen in February. And it was it was great. It's like a dream. Now we're back into winter. It's been snowing all day. And ah, serendipity, 20 right? degrees out, yeah. Hmm. Pretty crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, in fact, one of the things that can attest to how cold it is is you got your furnace running in the background so there can be heat in the house. Yeah. It's kind of bleeding through the recording, so sorry about that, guys. But you know what? Toucans aren't real. Deal with so it. So deal with it. 
<laughs> that makes no sense at all. Nobody but it's, gets it. It's that. an inside joke. Yeah. The second part of that is what I what I was really going for. Yeah. You hear that bleed coming through? Deal with it. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's yeah. So happen. was that one of the best chases of your life so it far? It actually was. So rarely do you, oftentimes, you know, leading up to a chase, you're looking at all these different uh, weather forecasting models online. Right. You're trying to pinpoint the perfect location of where to go, where to set up, where to wait, where to watch the storms fire. Which is hard, drop. right? Yeah, it's very difficult. And I'm not a very good forecaster yet. I'm still learning. Um, but, you know, with the help of these websites and weather forecasting models, you can do pretty oh, good. I thought you were going to say, and with the help of these websites and weatherforecast.com. <laughs> <laughs> Tellthefuture.com is helpful, too. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like me- our meteorologists do not go to that site. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're horrible meteorologist has a crystal ball, you know, yeah. secretly. Yeah. But, but anyways, yeah, it, it was. it's just so rare. Oftentimes you show up at your target area, you know, you check the forecast and everything, and you show up and you're waiting for hours and hours in this one location. And then it just turns out that, you know, the storms, they, they'll, they'll come, but the storms that you want are three hours north of you or, you know, an hour south of you. And by the time you get there, the best of it is over. The tornado-producing stage of a storm is usually in its, when it's, uh, in its initial stage, when it's younger. Um, and it just so happened that the storm that formed... Uh, was just, you know, 10 miles away from me. So the storm formed, I dropped south, and then it produced a tornado in the first 25, 30 minutes. Oh, is, F, I've yeah, never dude. had that happen before. F, yeah. That's yeah. great. So it was a really unique experience. It really was. <clears throat> Usually doesn't happen like that. Uh, that's great. It was a bit of a gift, I would I would say, even, you know? Yeah. Yeah, either be a better forecaster or just get teleportation invented already, you know? Yeah, what are they waiting for? <laughs> it's not like the science is stopping them yeah cancer was created by the government right <laughs> it's a conspiracy <laughs> never yeah. get vaccinated lest you want uh, autism right or brain cancer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've actually never been vaccinated wow yeah huh. and you still have autism <laughs> yeah right. I still still got it anyway. still, you still got rabies <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, I, I said that derogatorily. I don't mean to offend anybody in the autistic community. I, I have plenty of autistic friends. They are twice as brilliant as I am. You guys know any autistic people? No? <laughs> Just uh, say yes, I'm, I'm you know? Think you don't have to name names. I'm, I'm trying to think of anybody if yeah, I, I, I there is. Yeah, I autistic people. Okay. I, th- I think I do. I just can't think of anyone off the top of my head. But anyways, we got to keep keep things moving, keep things rolling. We have to. So more or less what I what I was thinking about bringing to the table tonight, or really what all of us have uh, discussed here prior to us pushing that record button, is uh, things that either spur your creativity and uh, engender creativity, I guess we could say. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, soft subject, Annie. <laughs> uh, you know, things that uh, help you to be more creative versus things that hinder your ability to be creative. So I guess we can we can start things off by the things that help your creativity or help to, uh, you know, uh, just make it flow easier and, and, and pour out of you more naturally. So, you know, we were talking about spontaneity 
So mm-hmm. I mean, what role does spontaneity play in, uh, let's just talk about in life in general. How, how do you think spontaneity adds to life, if at all? I think it has everything to do with... Rhetorical question, by the way. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's bring it back to the artistic value, you know. I think it has okay. everything to do with in the artistic process. Because you, you can't expect art to be something so calculated, something so scheduled. Like, you get up at 6 a.m., write a poem. And then, oh, it's 3 p.m., alarm goes off, you got to paint the picture. You know, it's... Art is something that is very much not confined by by scheduling. You know? So you don't think you can schedule a time to be creative? Well, you can, but only if you're working on, you know, mass market items, you know, like your... Only? What? So only... M- let me clarify. So do you think m- maybe what you're, what I think you're trying to say is only if you're up against a hard deadline and you're forced to come up with something... And like when that deadline comes around, yeah. you have to have something. So yeah. you force yourself to work. It's still art, but is it truly art to you? Because, you know, all your, all your, all that you care about, if you're the person, you know, behind the deadline is, is getting this stuff out there. You don't really get it out the door. You don't really yeah. heed the, the artistic meaningful value that it, that it has, mm. you know? Um, but yeah, that being said, spontaneity is, it's essential Crucial in the artistic process. Yeah. Nick, do you have any pushback for something like that? He's saying that you don't schedule in a time like creativity. Like, are, are you saying that it's something that hits you spontaneously? I think what unexpected? it sounds like what you're trying to say, Luke, is that you mean what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> well, yeah, I think, you know, if we if we just sit down and and try to force ourselves to write, like it's okay, it's three p.m. on a Saturday afternoon. I got to sit down and write something. Like maybe we can kind of overthink it. Yeah, it's or, like spontan- spontaneity is something that just comes to you while you're doing something completely unrelated to what you're trying yeah. to do. Maybe is that what you're saying? Yes. Like even if you're on spring break and you say to yourself, "I'm remiss for this time being. I'm pretty bored. Hey, I'm gonna try to write a poem right now." It it just it doesn't usually happen that way. Yeah. It's not something that you can force. It's something you have to take a chill pill with and uh, just let it come naturally. Let it come to you when the moment is right, when the moment is ripe. Uh, what if it doesn't come? Then it's not your day, you know? Just stop. Just do something else productive. Hmm. So it sounds like you have no control over this whatsoever. Of course you do. You know, it's it's your brain doing okay. this. So art. then to what extent can you facilitate to, to what extent can you be involved to help spontaneity? I'm saying you? how can okay. you set yourself up for it? Well, just just diversity and versatility. You know, if if your interests are abroad and you have you know you you're you're well versed in a lot of things then then inspiration is going to come to you a lot easier. You Because analogies, I would argue that analogies are probably about 25% of art. You know, making an analogy like, because if you, like a splatter painting, an, a, an abstract painting, like you can, you can find, you know, it's kind of like a Rorschach test. Mm-hmm. You can see something so specific and just blob, blobs of just splatters of paint. Yeah, I used to find patterns just like in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah, and then relate that to, I don't know, an, an economic conundrum nowadays or something. So you're saying make connections. Yeah, exactly. Synesthize. That's what life is about, connections. What did you say? Synesthize. Oh, and the synesthesia? <laughs> yeah, synesthesia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freaking exactly, man. Nick, why don't you practice a little bit of spontaneity right now and, and be spontaneous on the on the guitar? Absolutely. I just pictured just then what's that i pictured just this big wave of mist pouring through some evergreens hmm. in a dusky hour that's nice thank you i think it's like now, how like, does that feel to just pull that out of nowhere just on the spot it feels really freeing because like right now I'm not, I don't really care about what I'm playing. I mean, I want it to sound musical. And I want it to make sense musically. But as far as like, I, I'm not sitting here right now saying, I have to write a song. I want to write a song. I'm just mm -hmm. kind of freely filling the space. No yeah. pressure. Yeah, there's no pressure really. I mean, I'm terrified to play in front of you too. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just like, I feel like if you distract yourself by kind of what we're doing now, like we're just kind of talking, you know, it's like, and I'm just kind of messing around a little bit. And that's, that's when you kind of, as far as you're speaking on my own behalf, if I just kind of talking him in a conversation with other people and I'm just playing around on the guitar, that's when I kind of come up with something. I, I just kind of realize I'm doing it and I'll look down and be like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, I think I'm kind of onto something. I kind of did that earlier. Yeah. Right. I think my best piano riffs that I come up with are just things that I've hummed to myself in like, you know, askance in a conversation. Mm hmm. And That's you... totally spontaneous because it just popped yeah. into your head. Exactly. Yeah. Because some ideas that somebody else is spouting off has sparked that mm -hmm. motivation to write. Mm -hmm. a very Inexplicably, but it's, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I just said, I just, I felt, I saw a mist pouring through evergreens, you know, that, that that's an instance of yeah. synesthesia. In yeah. spontaneity, it's like a spark thrown onto like a bunch of hay or something. That's the way I look at it. Because once you... You play something or you write something that's that you like, and it just kind of feels like it came out of nowhere. It just opens up everything because it inspires you. You're like, wow, I like that. And then you get excited, and then you kind of forget about the, you know, how it's hard to start. Starting is always the hardest part. So when something finally hits you, just hold on to that and mm -hmm. hold on to the excitement of the newness of it. And I think that really can help you, you know, get past a, mm -hmm. a writing block or, or, or what have you. Yeah. So you think? I like that analogy. I, I, I think that there's almost like a, a childlike innocence that. that comes with that. Yeah, because what you're saying yeah, is yeah, like yeah. when you're when you're first excited about something, mm -hmm. it's the excitement comes before the uh, the analysis and the overthinking comes. Yes, you know. Yes, because once you start to think about it more and more and more, you start, start to, have to analyze and break it down. Yes, that's Damn. when the excitement goes away. Mm -hmm. I am so glad you guys are saying this right now because me too. I selected <laughs> the poem I'm going to read. I selected it before we even started this podcast. Wow, just letting you guys know. Okay, it's going to be so perfect. perfect. Oh my god! 
And you, okay. Well, I'm looking. For, I'm excited about that. Good. Before I start Good. overthinking it. Me too. Speaking of overthinking, Nick, you were talking about this a little bit earlier before we uh, before we got on air here, and you were talking about uh, that phenomenon that happens once the camera starts rolling. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. So what, what, what do you? So what do you? What do you mean by that? When the camera starts rolling, you're watching the blinking recording light, and you go, "Oh crap." This is even though you have as many takes as you want. Yeah. For example, when you're recording music, it's like it's like a sickness. It's a disease. Is you know you're, De- like deer in the headlights. Basically. Yes, you know you're being recorded, and it just cripples you or me. Oftentimes, yeah. when I know I'm being recorded, I say, "Nick, you've got all day to do this. You can do as many takes as you want." But it's just something about knowing that this is live. I'm being recorded. It just messes me up. Like so this right often. now. Yeah. Like I used to be that way with I think even just on, on a microphone and recording, just yeah. talking. Like I think I used to just mm-hmm. think, oh, oh crap, it's, mm-hmm. it's, mm. you know, like just that deer in the headlights. Like I'm just lost right now. What, yeah. What do I say? I think, <laughs> yes. And I think part of it, like the fact that you do have an infinite amount of takes that you can, yeah. you know, use if you, if you so choose to, I think. Yeah. You know, like if you're if you're performing. Let, in let a me help play. you with that microphone. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Is it? What's it doing here? I think you're talking into the rejection zone. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry about yeah. that. There we go. Much better. Much better. No, I don't have to stand so or sit so close to it. Much better. You were talking into the back of it. Oh. <laughs> or it was like, <laughs> which is the rejection zone of a microphone. Oh boy. Sorry guys. Yeah. Much better. Yeah, I would. Know. I think that. We'll take, for example, an actor and an actress. Uh, if if you're in a play, you know, sure, stage fright is something that you have to deal with. Uh, if you're a beginner, or if you just have stage fright, but I think that knowing that you have one shot at this, it almost can be a positive thing. You know, study yeah. your lines, but the fact that you know you have one shot, and then with recording, or if you're in a movie, you know you have an infinite amount of shots. So it's like that can kind of go to your head and, and mm. kind of make you a perfectionist about it yeah. and say, you know, I, I, that was pretty good, but I can do better. And then you, you keep going, you keep going, you, you know, you frustrate yourself. So I think you have to draw a line at some point and say, you know, this, I, it's hard to do if you have an infinite amount of takes. Yeah. That's why, that's why I love plays. Yeah. Just, because oh. it comes out one, it's, it comes out in front of you and they do it one time and one time only. And the way that, that it's played out before you mm-hmm. no play on words there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was like a double, double pun. No, what on words, Danny? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the way that it, that comes out that, that one time is the only way that you're ever going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, if they're recording it, then I mean, even when you play it back, it's still the same thing of, what it was then there was no 40 takes mm-hmm. there might have been 40 rehearsals but the 40 rehearsals are completely irrelevant because the way that they do it on that one night is what it is that's what it's remembered as yeah because if they screw it up then or, or not not even necessarily screw it up but if they do it differently that night than the way that they rehearsed it like something changed something was spontaneous whether somebody forgets a line or somebody ad-libs a little bit on something to spice something up because they just feel a certain momentum coming off of the crowd. I mean, that's that's what it is remembered as, not as the rehearsals, but, you know, the takes, 
when you're on the microphone or in front of the camera, you can do infinite takes. Yeah. And then splice it together. Mm. Yeah. I have, I have a question for you guys. How do you then remedy the spotlight effect? Spotlight effect being the... Like, spotlight the, effect being... You think that the light is shining on you and everything's kind of revolving around you. Everyone's watching you. Yeah. Mm. And, and how do you get past that and still, you know, pump out some, some creativity, some spontaneity? Do you, do you mean like everybody looking at you like like we're still talking about a play, right? Yeah, or okay, just okay. like like you know that you're being recorded, for instance, mm-hmm. and creativity doesn't come to you as as much mm-hmm. as it would if you know you're not being recorded. If you don't think about being recorded, you just got to find a way to relax. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. You have to find a way to like. That's what beer is for. Almost, <laughs> <laughs> almost find a way to just not care, but you do care, but you. It's hard to explain. I, I'm still working on it. But you have to not... It, you can't get be so serious about it. And you just have to relax and say, Look, I've got as many takes as I want for this. For recording music. Mm. And just let it go. One, like you were saying, Nick, is just kind of, you know, pretend like, like your audience is not there. Just pretend like you didn't push that record button. Yeah. And then you, you'd be able to, you know, still still find that inspiration in the moment and then two is to is to think about going through life and everything that you've said is recorded like Mm. you're constantly being recorded i think there's a there's a new movie coming out with like that whole movie is revolving around that premise reverse psychology kind of like you're always being recorded you can't get out of it yeah so you might as well say what comes naturally you might as well do what comes naturally interesting idea i never thought of it that way so instead of thinking that the majority of your life is like off script or <clears throat> excuse me off the record think of it in the opposite terms. Yeah. Yeah. Like if if everybody's watching you anyway then what inhibitions do you have? What does it matter? Exactly. It's all the same anyway. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Go ahead and play that controversial riff, you know? Mhm. Do it. So then what are some obstacles that get in the way of those creative juices flowing. So we were just talking about that a little bit. So yeah. spotlight effect can be an obstacle, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we had a list of some others, so you want me to just read it? Yeah, go ahead. And then we'll we can sort of uh, yeah, expand upon these ideas. Expound. Yeah, expound. Expound, <laughs> expound upon Ex- these ideas. Expound. <laughs> <laughs> even better, even better. This is a mixture of some of these are mine, some of these are Luke's, some Nick's. Uh, okay, boredom, technology, slower, simplicity, too many options. Oh, that's me. Forcing <laughs> it, uh, too much talk, which leads to procrastination, fear of failure, uh, jobs slash you know work, work yeah, life, obligations. the government, obligations, yes, <laughs> the government, uh, the government. <laughs> uh, Oh, they just inhibit everything, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they're getting ready to take care of me. That's right now. I like the way you put it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it is tax time. Taxes are coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh, we don't like those, do we? 
No. Does anybody like them? The government. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're right. Okay. So, okay. So how how many of those really stuck out to you? Luke, actually, why don't we start here? Luke, you're the one who said simplicity. What is, what do you mean by that? Most people would vehemently disagree with saying simplicity. I know. I I understand. Like one of the first few poems that I've ever written was about, you know, my antipathy for simplicity. But bottom line is that when I think of simplicity, I just think of like a straight line. I think of one solid color, you know, no gradient, no texture, no stippling effects in there whatsoever. So w- no when nuance. I when I see something, when I see an artistic piece, I want to see, I want to be able to see or hear or feel or ascertain the complexity of it. I want to see multiple layers of time put into this. I don't want to see... Sorry if you're an abstractist fanatic, but I don't want to see splatters on a canvas and and that's not going to do it for me. With a hundred thousand dollar price tag on this. Yeah, right. exactly. You know, it would be There's wild the, up by the, that. The most right famous now. one of the most famous paintings ever is just like a canvas with a line drawn through it yeah. horizontally, a perfect solid linear line. That's it. And it's I think it went for like forty four million dollars or something. <laughs> That to me is so just—it's appalling. Saying that's too simple, way too simple. That's like austerity. Is—is is simple the that, right word, or is easy the right word, or are they synonyms? I, yeah, is yeah, simple it, the right? That's word what I mean case. by simple. But okay. is it possible to for a piece to sell that's just like that simple a line through a canvas? Is it possible for a piece to sell if it's not by a well-known, famous artist? I highly doubt it. Probably yeah. not. I swear so that that's someone who's got paying. the famous reputation yeah, you're and earned the right to do things like you're that. You're just kind of paying for the name. Yeah, the brand name. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. So you're saying abstractionist, so just like seeing splatters on a canvas is I mean, not... yeah, like of the of the I would I would say minority okay. that can find meaning in it. I know this is audio so you guys aren't going to be able to see this, but Luke, I'm about to show you a picture and I want you to give me your comment on this painting. <laughs> Okay. Just as soon as I get it. Just give me one second. Don't worry, guys. We'll we'll All describe right. it after he okay. shows it to me. Here you go. Yeah, I want to tell want to get your impressions of that. Okay. It is a piece by William de Kooning at the Art Institute in downtown Chicago. Hmm. Is that simple? You know, when I see this, I think of stream of consciousness. Yeah. And I'm gonna. And by the way, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to f- see if I can find that particular painting and link to it in the show notes, so you guys can also look at it while you're listening. I don't know. I don't remember the name of the actual painting, so I might have trouble finding it. But well, I'm gonna, uh, I'm all, for, all for spontaneity's sake, right? Yeah, That's okay. exactly. I. First and foremost, I I think of stream of consciousness. I think of do whatever flows from your from your mind when this is happening. And although there is a level of simplicity insofar as it's just it's it's kind of a, a cluster, you know what of of a lot of of a lot of lines and and big planes of color. Yeah, I think there is a level of complexity to this. Like you can. You can definitely. You think there's something behind it? Yeah, you can yeah. definitely tell that there is a there is a purpose behind every stroke. Mm-hmm. Whereas just this one solid line, 
Yeah, it could mean something to now, certain, my, some My people. girlfriend loves, that's her favorite style of art. Okay. And in fact, when she saw that, she, she like cried. practically gasped and she cried. Wow. Yep. May I? Yeah, take a look at that, the Kooning. Does that do anything at all for you? Any sort of emotional Not, response or any, you know, to be any perfectly, deep appreciation? No, I, I'm one to cry when I see a very moving film or when i yeah. listen to a moving song but mm-hmm. yeah. this Me particularly too. i i'm not taking away from anyone who who feels emotional uh is moved emotionally by this but for me emotionally no not me personally neither no. but i am a very emotional person but yet this doesn't really do anything emotional for me personally me either but it's, it's a very it's kind of like a rorschach test that's why that's it why is. simplicity in this sense it, that's why I'm not a big fan of it because because it it's not just polysemous it's not just open to interpretation it's completely open to interpretation you know if yeah, you're like if you're going into no... this not knowing any context whatsoever like for instance I see a bridge and then oh maybe that's the sun behind that uh, maybe it's a cityscape <laughs> oh is that a bird I don't know you know <laughs> like it doesn't do anything emotionally to me because it's just so subjective it's yeah, so dependent it's, upon it's opinion. not just it's not just somewhat subjective or mostly subjective it's a hundred percent subjective 100 percent. there's no there's no foundational principle on which to begin and a lot of your poems the polysemous though they may be there's at least something that you want to be universal yeah like this is a meaning that everybody should be able to get out of it and then how much further you take it that's well that's you and someone else may take it into they may go somewhere else with it but everybody starts in the same place whereas i don't think it i don't necessarily think people are going to start in the same place with a with the painting like that i couldn't have said it better that is that's my opinion yeah yeah it's my perspective no i like that i i i think you're right and i know people who like that kind of thing they you know they'll probably vehemently disagree yeah know, but but that's I'm, that's okay bottom line i'm not saying talent equals art i'm just saying that a huge amount of effort or a huge amount of emotion put into it that is visually or audibly discernible to viewers to the mm-hmm. audience mm-hmm. like when when you know as an audience that that artist puts so much effort into this that's when it's stirring that's when it's do you think there's ever a place, uh, a rightful place for making things simpler? So what if, let's say you have a musician and he's been working on writing some songs and they start simple, meaning just on, they originate on one instrument, whether he writes on a piano or a guitar. It's like a little, and then, and then over time, yeah, two note. Yeah, something like that. And then over time, as he records a song or something, they just continue to add more and more production. Mm-hmm. More and more instruments, more and more parts, maybe an orchestra. It just gets bigger and bigger, and there's more and more production to it. And then eventually he just decides, you know what? This is this has gotten so produced and so magniloquent. <laughs> <laughs> there that, they are. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, that, it just needs to be kind of reined in and cut back a little bit back to the original spirit of where this thing started. And then you listen to it and you go, wow, this is like... This this is a lot more stripped down than I would have thought it would have been. 
do you think that that is an appropriate level of simplicity or do you think that's the bad kind of simplicity that you've described? Well, no, that's, that's a great kind of simplicity because you want to preserve the original emotion behind it for sure. I mean, yeah, you can mm-hmm. hear it and you could say, wow, I, I could do that. Anybody can do that. But like I said, it's, it's, it's about the, the skill behind it, but also the emotion behind it, mm. like the emotion yeah. invested into it. And which and emotions yes, it, are complex? Is, you, you could probably argue with me that yes, the the abstract painting is emotionally complex. It's just just chock full of emotion in there. But but if, if I'm looking at that as an outsider, and and the millions of outsiders around me are looking at that as well, and they're all coming up with different ideas that that may not always be positive, that may not always be what the the artist, the author intended. I I just don't. I don't find the value in that as much. Like I don't, that kind of simplicity I think is not really conducive to art. It's almost like, does something have to be, you know, man-made for it to be art? I would say no. I feel like art is almost something that's God made found in. Yeah, absolutely. Grand Canyon discovered. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe discovered. Maybe maybe your interpretation of something is the definition of art in a way. You know, um, it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just I'm. I would, on the fly I would right agree now. with you. I, right. Yeah. No <laughs> spontaneity. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I would agree, I would agree with that insofar as art is something that is that is created with a specific mindset with a specific goal to reach the populace. And if you think of creation that way, if you think of the Grand Canyon, this mountain, these clouds, if you think of it that way, yeah, that could be art. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Because, you know, as Christians would say, the author of all this is God. Right. Those mad people would say. Those are his brushstrokes. Yeah. Yeah, so do you think... One more thing about simplicity, and then we can move on to something else. Uh, I was on the verge of, okay, well, actually, scratch that. Yeah, let it not be manufactured. Yeah, no, I was gonna, I was gonna say something about, like, say you too, because a lot of their songs are very simple. But I, but I think you kind of answered the question with the last thing. Oh yeah, their lyrics are just, just so full of emotion. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and you know what the meaningful emotion the too. simplicity of you two may be in like the fact that their songs are a simple chord progression or there's, there's nothing too particularly complex about maybe what the drummer is playing or what the bass player is playing but uh or even what the edge plays on guitar but what's not simple about it is the uh the depth that is in the lyrics and the emotion that is yeah. in the lyrics and the depth mm. that is in the sounds and the it, yeah. So yeah, you, I, you keep looking for simplicity, Danny, but you still haven't found what you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, that's good. Okay. Guess so, we won't know until we get to the place where the streets have no name. Mm-hmm. How about um? I'm just gonna jump to. Let's say what about like forcing it? That was one of yours, Luke. What do you have yes. to say about how is you, how is forcing something an obstacle or an impediment to to yeah real creativity i kind of i kind of did touch on this a little bit earlier in a different way paraphrasing but forcing inspiration is one of the worst things that you can do for art because not only does it 
it kind of it, it you know uh, ex- extract a false sense of what your goal is. It's just it's um it's it it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound real when when you force it. Do you do you agree with me, Nick? Like when when you're when it's like midnight and you can't sleep and and you just you pick up the guitar and you start plunking away and like I I gotta write a song by two p by two a.m. Yeah. I'm gonna do this. It's just there's yeah. not as much truth behind the art that you're trying to produce. You think there, you think you sacrifice authenticity when you force yourself to produce something? Yeah, because you're you're transitioning these the thoughts are instead of going into creativity, they're going into your time frame. Mm-hmm. And all of your energy is wasted on I have a time frame. Yeah. I'm rushing. I'm forcing and you know the the creative part is kind of dry at that point because yeah. you're all about let me do mm-hmm. something. Kind of like when you can't like when you just said when you can't sleep that made me think like when you're laying in bed and you're like oh man I got to get up at 6. It's one thirty. Yeah. You're like, I can't sleep. What can you not do? I got to get to sleep. What can't you do? Sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's right. like, it's, yeah. it's like reverse psychology or it's like you, the things that you try so hard to do and you're like, I have to do this. I remember Victor Frankl said mm-hmm. that in Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. He was talking about logotherapy and how uh, a lot of times like focusing too hard on the thing that you're trying to do is is going to produce the opposite effect. So you just gave the perfect example. Yeah. If you're trying to fall asleep, if you think too hard about falling asleep, you won't. Exactly. You have to think about something else. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) Or the, uh, the line in inception. If I say, don't think about a pink elephant, what do you think about? Pink elephant. Precisely. Or how about, uh, when it comes to certain moral behaviors, you know, when you tell, and I know that's unrelated, but I, but I think it, kind of still applies just because let it apply when, spontaneity yeah when you tell somebody don't do something what do they do they do the thing you told them not to do mm-hmm. isn't that isn't that true yeah yeah jimmy that can, don't, don't can you totally po- don't poison your sister yeah. jimmy what does yeah. jimmy do poisons his oh, sister. jimmy what'd you do <laughs> now i do have to say that i i have to offer a little bit of pushback on this because i think that there's a legitimate case to the other side of 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 this concept it's it's a balance yeah because how many let's just say what percent out of like some of your favorite songs were written in the manner that you're describing because the way that what you're describing sounds awfully it it sounds beautiful Mm -hmm. honestly it's 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 beautifully idealistic to say almost unrealistic oh you know well you can't force inspiration and you you can't yeah. Should, no, those, no one should write it unless they're you're under You're trying the to defend those people who actually have those deadlines, who mm-hmm. actually make a living off of. It's not what the way life do. works for everyone, right? Yeah. So yeah. basically, you're saying, so you're basically saying, like, okay, well, the the professionals, the ones who have to do it for a living, yeah, they're a different story because they have to produce whether they're feeling inspired or not. Could you rephrase that? Yes. So. I, I was just going to make the case, you know, how many of like, say your favorite songs were written from a place where there was no okay. feeling of inspiration. There was no, like it was forced. It was like, okay, the deadline's coming. I need to create something, whether it's good or not. And then it just so happened that, you know, like say Muse writes hysteria. And let's say that that was not, let's just, I mean, I don't know what the case is. I'm sure that that, 
particular song did come out of a feeling of feeling a, a rush of inspiration or something. But let's just pretend for the sake of argument that it did not come out of a time when they were feeling a rush of inspiration, but instead it came out of a time when they were completely at a loss for ideas, but they knew that they were in the midst of, of writing songs for a record and that the deadline for getting these songs finished and for this record, because it needs to be released so you. that they can tour on it. And so you. they just need to do something. And then Hysteria becomes this massive hit and it's an awesome song. And it's <laughs> well, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. First, <laughs> how do you respond to those cases? Uh, the first retort is that <laughs> the song Hysteria is on one of the lowest tiers of my, of, Muse songs. Well, it doesn't have to be one of your favorites. To. I know, but the second second okay, well, thing I would pick, say pick, is that I would honestly song, say that that the songs I listen to, like you can tell that there is there is a lot of time and emotion mm-hmm. and effort poured. <clears throat> like into they mull it songs. over many yeah. times. Like a lot of the, a lot of Coldplay's songs from, uh, uh, I think it's the recent most album, A Head Full of Dreams. Yeah. A lot of those songs are just they're just incredibly optimistic. You can you can just tell. You know, whether it's Chris or whoever writes these mm-hmm. songs, you can just tell that they're straight from the heart. And there's this beautiful, symphonious music to back it up. A lot of the songs by Amber Run, pretty much all of their songs are, you could tell. that It's it's not manufactured at all. It's not, it's not forced at all. Hmm. A lot of One Republic songs are the same way, I feel like. Um I don't. I honestly don't know if I can say that. That's your impression. I like a but, mainstream I'm, but I'm just song suggesting. I'm like, just pro- what if these songs were? I'm proposing that you think that a lot of these songs are that way. That they're, uh, carefully considered, and you know they they chew on the cud. Yeah. Many times before they they just put it out there, but I'm suggesting there's probably a lot of songs that aren't that way that they're written they just happen really quickly whether it's a rush of inspiration or a deadline Mm -hmm. and then you hear it and you go wow this is deep this is awesome this is so carefully considered i bet he he just looked over these lyrics for months and made revisions 20 20 times and so you know i'm just saying you know i definitely see where you're coming from it's Mm -hmm. your perception of it and my perception of it and everyone else's perception of it isn't always the reality. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it comes back down to, or back down to, it, it comes ultimately down to what the artist had in mind when he was writing this. So, Cause I think it's, it's tough. It, you bring up a very good point, Danny, because a, a lot of these songs that I think are written with, with TLC are just kind of cranked out, you know, or, or at least they, a lot of them probably are. You know, mm-hmm. let's a be, lot of let's them be real hey that's what a lot of albums have filler songs on them mm-hmm. and sometimes a lot of times you know i like the filler songs a lot sometimes a filler song can be one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. on the record but the yeah. artist the artist thought of it as i just hey i need a 10th song so i'm just gonna throw that, this in there that happened and then with I you love nick it. that happened with your first album <laughs> your little blue flame song that you hate so much i freaking love it that right. might be my favorite song that you've ever written Really? It's it wow. means that much to me. Thank you, man. I'm glad that has that effect. 
Do I need the link to uh, Nick Schrader behind the painted glass in the sure. show notes? I don't even think it's on. I don't <laughs> Throw think it's it on out there, anymore. man. It's on uh, YouTube. Is it on YouTube? Where where can people find I, it? I don't know if it's Dude, on Dude, it's <laughs> probably not even on the internet It's like, you, you can't get it anymore. <laughs> yes, you yeah. can't. I'll Too just, bad. No. That, that's not necessarily a bad thing. SoundCloud? I'll put it on SoundCloud. There you go. Well, it's on SoundCloud now because I'm going to, and then whoever's listening to this <laughs> right. is in the future. Yeah. So yep. it's on SoundCloud right now. Go check it out. There's a link. All right, the link yeah. for Nick Schrader behind the painted glass. That's yeah. the name of the record. Yeah. It's going to be on SoundCloud and it's going to be in the show notes. So check it. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah. All you right. know what, Danny? I, I guess I will retreat from that standpoint a little bit, but not all the way because I think, I think the true value of art is you, it's evinced in what the artist yeah. thinks about it. It's, it's a tug of war and I was just tugging a little bit in the opposite direction to moderate you a little bit. Yeah, you got me. Because I, I will attest to there are a few poems on my blog that are, that I've, uh, sorry, my website, excuse me. <laughs> What's the website? It's merelypoetry.com. Ha, advertisement. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> this episode has brought to you by merelypoetry.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, paid sponsor. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like I have money for that. Actually, um, I can start, I can start sponsoring. I can start using the blog as a sponsor for this, for the show. I'm no, sorry, can. not the yeah. blog, the, the website. <laughs> Come on, I'm not, Danny. I'm not used to it. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. What does that say about it? But anyway, yeah, I've had some poems that I've written that, like, right now, I love. I can look back and say, yeah, I, I wrote that without much inspiration. It was kind of forced, but, like, thinking about it now, like, it's it's great, you know? And it doesn't make them any less real. True. Right? True. Authentic. I, I don't think you compromise on the authenticity just because they came quickly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I have a whole segment called uh, Philosophy in Many Nutshells. And a lot of those poems were, I had to think about a certain moral concept and then just crank out a poem. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So you've, you've dabbled a fine in line, that. You've maybe. dabbled in that. Mm -hmm. Going, touching back on what you were saying, Luke, and you too, Danny, about the, does complexity make art better that's something that like i have. automatically yeah does it automatically make it better yeah that, that's something that i have trouble with like i think I, you agree that complexity does add art i i mean whether or not i agree well yeah i mean i feel like that's a big thing for me when i sit down and write a song if i'm not pleased with it i'm like this sucks a lot of it is because it's well this is too easy and i often let that kind of cloud my my perspective and yeah. cloud my creativity because I'm like, this isn't, this isn't complicated enough. Anybody could play mm -hmm. this, but what's really important. But is yeah, nobody, anybody can play it, but nobody can play it with, with my level of emotion behind this. Yeah. Think about it that way. Like that's, that's what I judge art by. It's, it's either one complexity or intricacy or, you know, level of talent behind it or two, the emotion behind it the purpose behind mm -hmm. your reason for promulgating it. The things that are un underneath the surface. Yeah, exactly. That are not readily apparent. Yes. yes. Yeah. Bingo. Boom. Mm. Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> Basketball. Oh, uh, yes. It's, mar it's March Madness. It is. <laughs> it's, it's starting on Thursday. Yeah. And we are recording this a couple of days before. Okay. I'm sure by the time this is released... It's probably going to be the final four <laughs> or maybe even the national championship is over, 
But, okay, I'm going to move on to... Procrastination, because that would be relevant. <laughs> it is, but... Well, I don't... Do you want to go on that one? or, or cause no, I have, that, I have... you know, That's totally self-explanatory, I feel like. Yeah. Okay, because I have one that, I, that leads into the next thing after that, and I want to get this... Okay. Keep things moving here. So, sure. fear of failure. Yeah. Now, how... Is that not one of the biggest ones ever? Yeah. Because, oh my gosh, like, how... How powerful is like negative emotions and just kind of negative things in general. Like how powerful is the influence of that over human beings? It's profound. So powerful. It, in a, Yeah, it is. And it's like not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, obviously. But you know, I mean like when, when did like your fear of something being uh, fear of failing or fear of rejection or, mm-hmm. you know, when did fear ever drive you to like, just make a really awesome choice? That just drastically improved your life. <laughs> well, actually, you last week. No, never, never for me. Maybe only in the sense that I don't know, like you Nick, ran from the lion. Yeah, or like Nick, <laughs> maybe when you're flying in the airplane. Yeah. Uh, maybe your fear of if you get out of the plane while you're flying, you're gonna plummet <laughs> to your death. I mean, it's healthy to have a little bit of fear. I was just actually talking to my my mother about this earlier today. Uh, it's it's healthy to have like my biggest fear as as a private pilot is like midair collisions like running into another aircraft they can't see me i can't see them and i'm not i'm not like a fanatic about it i'm yeah. not, it doesn't make me it doesn't cause me to not go flying but it is like top on my concern list of flying like you're flying. thinking about it when you're flying yeah yeah and if you've flown with me danny you see i'm always kind of like swiveling my head you know more so than a pilot with a lot more hours than i and i'm still a pretty new pilot but just mid-air collisions have always been my top fear and, and like i said it's healthy to have that it's it's a, it's very healthy to be afraid but not to where it's crippling you and causing you to not mm-hmm. because i mean if you're not afraid of it then you're not alert yeah. You're, you're not even privy to the potential dangers of anything. Yeah, a little bit of fear is healthy. Yeah, I think there's some context respect. though because I think the fear the fear is good now while you're still kind of a novice as a pilot. Yeah. But like 20 years from now, if you've been flying for 20 years and you're still doing that, I think then your fear is a problem. Yeah. Your fear of mid-air collisions constantly well, I mean, 20, all the 20 time. years if you're still flying and you've not been banned by the FAA <laughs> then your your fear is totally vindicated <laughs> uh, uh. but you, you get my point is like I, I think do my I do. point is 20 years from now when you're flying an airplane I think you need you should be More so confident confident and yeah. comfortable with your abilities as a pilot that you're thinking about that a lot less than mm-hmm. you do today yeah, yeah, and it, and if sense. you're still thinking about it the same amount, then I think there's some unhealthy fear mm-hmm. that's going on. I agree. I agree with you. It's more acceptable. Uh, it's more acceptable to be afraid of different things when you're more early on in whatever you're doing. Like it's more understandable that you fear something. I think we can all it. relate to this right now by the fear everybody of, by the fear everybody of the dark. This. For instance, when we were kids, we were terrified. I, I for one speak was, for yourself was, <laughs> <laughs> no i was okay I was. chuck norris calm down man <laughs> but yeah like and then as you grow up as you get older and mature like you realize the, the dark isn't that bad i'll go downstairs i'll go down in the in the deep dark depths of the basement alone yeah you know at, you know i'll walk through that dark alley alone at night 
Right. But like, but still that fear is in the back of your mind. It's, it's not a crippling fear like it once was when you were three years old. Right. But it's, it's still in the back of my, back of my mind. Like, yes, bad things do tend to happen more in the dark, you know, and it does, it does kind of enhance your, your Awareness. lifestyle. Yeah. Your, your everyday living. It does kind of keep you out of harm. Keeps but you it, on but your it toes doesn't, a little bit but more. It, yeah. But it doesn't detract from, as we're on this topic, creativity. Right. <laughs> it's kind of funny when I just said, speak for yourself. I intended it to be a joke on you guys were saying when I was a child and I meant it to sound like I'm still afraid of the dark. That, <laughs> no. that, was, that was the joke. And you guys took it as like, I was never afraid of the dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how I meant, how it, I meant it to be totally the opposite. Like, <laughs> speak for yourself. I'm still scared. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> that's what I was going for. Oh, man. Oh, oh, perspectives. Stay tuned with our next podcast on misconstruction. Yeah. <laughs> And followed by deconstruction. <laughs> so how often are there scenarios in which a person is so, they have this fear of failure thing. So uh, it's so on the forefront of their mind that it actually keeps them from ever beginning anything. Dude, you know, what's funny. I've experienced this on a stupid level, on a petty level. Yeah. Like I've, there's been times where, or there have been times where I've written a Facebook post. Yeah. And I finish it and it's long and I'm like, nah. And I just go back. I'm like, nobody's going to care yeah, about why? it. Why? Why? You know, fear of being criticized by other people. Hmm. Really? And it's something stupid. I mean, it's yeah, something like that's petty. a very uh, tr- uh, yeah. trivial example. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something that matters all that much. I experienced that with songwriting, though. Oh, for sure. Mostly with probably music. You know, it reminds me of that old cliche quote, like, you missed all the shots that you didn't take. Yeah. Remember that? that? What? Who said that? LeBron James? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. (laughs) The greatest philosopher He missed all the shots he did take. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Said the number one Lakers fan. Yeah, no. (laughs) I'm kidding. I love to rip on on, on LeBron James. <laughs> oh man. Oh. I do love criticizing LeBron James, but um but that is that is a very real thing though is like there there is this sense that you get a lot of times where you you don't start or finish for that matter. You don't you don't finish anything. You don't put anything out there because you're I've, I've you're fin- scared of how it's going to be received. You you're, you have the fear that it's not going to be accepted by people. There's yeah. going to be some kind of rejection there. Yeah. There's, I, I can relate to that. So I, yeah. I can sort of relate to that with, with some of my poems. Cause like, you know, there's for one instance, like there's a poem that I have a, uh, a curse word in there. And, yeah. And it's, it's, it's pretty, you know, it was said from the depths of my heart, you know, like it, it, it meant a lot emotionally and, and, and whoever reads that poem can tell, like, you know, there's a there's a very visceral emotion going on here. But like, I was afraid that, you know, you know, my my parents would read it, or, or oh just my someone gosh. who's who's totally averse to obscenity would would read that and judge my poem, my poetry for just it, it's not good because it's vulgar. And then and then there are some smaller poems that are just kind of kind of cute and stupid and. And kind of artsy fartsy, yeah. Kind of, you know, 
and you and you're afraid that that's going to be taken as oh he's so unsophisticated yeah what, what a rube exactly yeah. yeah like how like the, how far away from shakespeare can you get right you know? like how could how could a someone who's a self-proclaimed poet stoop to this level exactly. of uncivilized discourse yeah, yeah I, I can kind how of, could you put free verse with rhyming pentameters oh my god yeah i, I can kind of relate that. to you on that with like youtube i have a youtube account adventures with nick yeah that's <laughs> yeah what's that I, Danny? I without YouTube... the e and adventures <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a youtube channel that has a lot of subscribers nick's whip shop and then i also have another youtube channel which was started because i had a lot of videos on my phone and it was taking up too much storage and it was just a place to dump videos that i wanted yeah. um and there's things that I'll say and do in that channel, the one that's just meant for storage, basically, or that started <laughs> because of that. There's things I'll do and say in that channel that I wouldn't dream of doing or saying on my other yeah. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? The way, the <laughs> Adventures way <that> you, <laughs> with Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go. <laughs> no, the good. way that you curate your content for Nick's Whip Shop, you're, you consider it so much more careful. Because yeah. I'm sure you think, oh my gosh, like... Before I just go ahead and release this video, I have to really think about what's in here because there's thousands of people that are going to see this. Millions yeah. of people. Millions. Yeah. Yeah. So in the it, case it's, of one of them. Yeah, it's like it's it's something where I know that hardly anybody is going to watch. You know, uh, I hardly anybody's going to watch the videos on Adventures with Nick unless right. we get 20, it out there. Like Thirty now. subscribers until now. Until it's going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch tomorrow morning a million views on every. Oh man, <laughs> I hope so. No, we, we need that. to see more of. Yeah. we need to see more of adventures with Nick. Nick, okay, you know? okay, you got it. <laughs> Those videos are so prime. I encourage you all to Priceless. go look that up. But it's it's interesting though because it's kind of going back to when you release something, the more people that are gonna see it, like it's it's easier to be more scared to release it. That's why it's like, I feel like I can be myself more in Adventures with Nick than I can Nick's Whip Shop because less people are going to see it. And it's just like, it's me. That's how and, Andrew Hales got his humor refined over the years because yeah. his blog or his vlog, right? Because so, he, yeah. he cranked out videos with him being real, him talking about, you know, weird things about doing weed and then masturbating and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, you see him for who he actually is. You see his you know, the, the truth behind his personality and his character. And then you watch his, his videos on his main channel and they mean so much more. Mm -hmm. I bet that's how it would be for you. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. I have, I have an example of, uh, you were talking about, you had a poem with, uh, uh, a, a vulgar word in there or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I sort of had the same thing with, uh, this documentary that I, that we did um dry heat yeah, danny exactly exactly so <laughs> oh did you drop the f f bomb yeah so here's basically what there's a, there's a couple moments which uh, i guess i can i can tell you about them um so because i know not everybody who's potentially going to see the documentary is going to listen to this so i for some reason there, there's a separation in my head where i feel like this is a safer place for me to express those things than it is to put it in a documentary that's going to be like etched in time forever. Go okay. for it, Danny. So this the, is real the main talk. the main reason that I made oh. the documentary really, or asked Nick to bring his camera to help me make it. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> I basically made a documentary 
with the help of Nick back in the summer of 2015, it's documenting the road trip that moved me from Indiana to California. And that is going to be released sometime later in the spring. And there's a couple of moments where there was um, kind of just a little bit of vulgar language. And I legitimately... You want to reenact it? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what they were in a second. But <laughs> yes. th- there was there was some there was some real wrestling that went on behind the scenes in my head. And I, I remember I talked with you about it for a little bit, Nick. And yeah. I talked about it with my girlfriend. And, and I just said, hey, you know, there's this stuff in here that's kind of... It's a little bit vulgar. And what if somebody from uh i don't know somebody from my church or someone who used to be one of my teachers or something because you know i've got face because of facebook friends and stuff like that i'm friends i'm my friends list on facebook has such a diverse collection of people you know there's some people that are much more uh traditional and conservative minded and then there's some people that are just kind of you know wildly open to all kinds of things and nothing offends them and I actually was, I had like this fear of like my reputation being on the line just because of a couple uh, kind of vulgar comments in there. And like, well, man, what if somebody sees? So one of them was, there's a scene in which me and Nick are right next to Hoover Dam in Nevada. And Nick says something about like, like it was really hot outside. And it was like nighttime and it was almost a hundred degrees. And Nick was like, (laughs) Man, this is this is a dry heat, Danny. And then I said, "Yeah, but it's still effing hot." And and it was really funny because it just kind of came out off the cuff, like it was just a very natural response. I was like, "Yeah, it's effing hot." You know what I mean? And uh, and that was funny, but I was like, you know what? I actually let the the I don't know what you'd call it, but it's I thought about what if maybe this person or that person saw me saying the F dropping an F bomb, someone who's never heard me like that or perceived me in that way that would like change my reputation. And yeah. And I don't know if that's the right call. Honestly, I still debate it. And and then the other scene or the other moment where I kind of cut it out a little bit is we were, uh, we were driving in on I-80 and we were getting close to Sacramento. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so the people from Sacramento refer to Sacramento for short as SAC. And so me and Nick automatically think, oh, that's funny. That's like, <laughs> oh, when you say sack. sack, it reminds you of ball sack. <laughs> yeah. So in in that scene, we were talking about, yeah, we're coming up on, uh, on sack here, as they call it, ball sack. And then again, I was like, oh, that's a little bit of a vulgar comment. It's not out like way out there outrageous yeah, obviously. but you want to maintain that professional kind of exactly feel, it's like i know. i wanted the reason that i decided to cut those two things out you did cut them out i did i cut them out in the final product but you know i could release an alternate version where they're in there if you want mm-hmm. um director's good. but yeah exactly but but ultimately the reason that i opted to take them out is because i felt like i wanted to release something that i that i was proud of to the point that i could show it to anybody Mm. and there's and there's nobody who would object to anything that's in there like i wanted it to be so generalized in its appeal that anybody can watch it and could enjoy it suitable for all suitable for all ages like there wouldn't be any obstacles that would stop somebody yeah from uh from enjoying it but that's fair yeah so 
you know, that was my reasoning. Whether that's right or wrong, you know, we'll we can we can debate that forever, basically. But dry heat, Danny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's almost become like a, a heurism now. Yeah. Whenever you say that, we're yeah. automatically hearkening back to that that <laughs> moment on that trip, and it's it's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, okay. One last question here, and then we'll talk about some remedies to being stifled in your creativity. You guys want to take a little break? Yeah. Why don't we take a break? I, I, I do. Kind That's of a this. great idea. Yeah. All right. We're gonna take a break. We'll be, you know, guys, we've gotten away from taking breaks. Yeah, we have, and my bladder disagrees yeah. with that. And like, let's let's get back to it. All right. We're gonna take a break. Let's come back. TNA. some like discussion off air mm-hmm. that uh had a lot of know, f-bombs in it <laughs> not not that many not that many Two, you know 300 <laughs> you know here's what we should do from now on is we should take breaks more often number one and then number two the spontaneous conversations going back to spontaneity again see mm-hmm. we're going full circle yep. mm-hmm. the spontaneous conversations that happen during the break we should we should keep that audio footage and let that be something that's released to our every last Premium. job our patreons yeah. who who invest yeah. 50 dollars or more <laughs> yeah yeah to the uh the every last drop so now luke just to get you up to speed we, nowadays we, we call it the every last drop club which people can go to every last drop podcast.com slash contribute to join it's only one dollar a month and we do have a patreon page i updated that as well so that's mm, okay. just like it just like it used to be mm. patreon.com slash every last drop so that's you can join the club there as well but i'm just again just being spontaneous and saying that maybe we should keep these conversations and let them be released to our uh well yeah, yeah. definitely keep them and definitely yeah they're a little bit more them. edgy and even not to say that we aren't being candid right now or transparent but i would just say that we're even more candid mm-hmm. if that's possible all right so we're going to talk about uh remedies to overcoming these obstacles of creativity and then we're going to get to poetry and then we're going to get out of here all right mm-hmm. so i'm just going to go through the things we wrote down and then we can kind of touch on them uh so again this is a compilation of some things nick said some things luke said some things i said okay calm down things can come to you unexpectedly push through the blocks just do it change to a different medium learning new things Broadening your perspective helps to get the juices flowing. So, why don't we just go with your, uh, with your? You said you, you talked about calming down, Luke. That was you. What do you? Yeah. What do you mean by? Stuff, I mean stuff coming to you in an unexpected way. Um, once again, it, it's kind of brushing on what we've already talked about, like inhibitions and how to remedy it. But I think the the number one way in which to fix that 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 sort of uh 
incentive to get it done and kind of it, it decreases that the artistic value of it i think the best way to to fix that situation is to to calm down and to realize that art should not be put on a deadline art okay. art is something that flows naturally art is something that should not be confined by anything mm-hmm. and that's you know it, it kind of yeah. goes against what i was saying earlier right. because you know, and, and, art, and again, art shouldn't be confined st- by complexity, you know. Mm-hmm. But And it's tough to stay pure with that when you've gotten to a place where you're making a living off of your art because then right. it's, people it's demand hard. To, it. Yeah, it's in demand and it's mm-hmm. hard to let it flow naturally and not forced and things like that. I, I give props to David Bowie because, you know, he made his living off of it and he's, still he managed to, to come up with, with fascinating things every single album. You know, every yeah. single time. That's a good example. That's yeah. a guy who, whether you like the music or don't, it it was. Every time the guy came out with something, it was it wasn't the same as the last thing. Yeah, it was always some kind of fresh approach, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, just that, like that's the new kind pastor. of yeah. It's, <laughs> I was just gonna say um, <laughs> a more mainstream version of that idea is is Coldplay. I think they have something yeah. fresh, something new every time. Even though I I didn't really like Ghost Stories, but that being said. Cold, cold, okay. is, I think I liked Ghost Stories more than I liked The Head Full of Dreams, but you know, oh, okay, well, oh, to each his I'm own. not, I'm not knocking the new one because yeah. the new one's pretty good too. We already but. told them that you hated Ghost Stories, and they're pissed. <laughs> <laughs> they're mad. Like, oh, have they written in? Oh God, <laughs> we have to stir up controversy somehow. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, you just you just can't rush it. You can't you can't bottle it up and pour it out on every Monday, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just, you have to, you have to give it some time. You have to mold it. You have mm-hmm. to caress it. And you know, like the, the, the what's, what's it called? A pottery person, the, the uh, sculptor, the sculptor. Was, I think, sure. Yeah. The potter. Oh my God. Was yeah. it that easy? Yeah. Potter. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, <laughs> what's wow. a potter person? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a potter. Potting. <laughs> Do you pot? <laughs> a person who believes in Christianity. What do you call them? Ah, oh, God. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like, like the, the potter. The, the potter Spaghetti. takes time. He he takes time. He's not rushed because he knows that perfection doesn't just happen. Perfection doesn't happen overnight either and he knows rome if wasn't built in a day yeah. screw you for believing otherwise you know and he knows <laughs> if he spins that wheel too fast and trivial force is gonna screw everything up right? exactly mm-hmm. boom <laughs> very good nick i want to bring up the one that you said and sure you, and then you can elaborate on that and then i'll elaborate on the one that i said and then yeah. we can do poetry sure so you're the one who brought up changing to a different medium as your remedy to getting unblocked from obstacles that are in the way of your creativity. Yeah. Chances are, if you're an artist, you're into more than one form of art. For example, if you are a painter, um, you might also be into, I don't know, photography. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you are having trouble, you know, starting this painting, then to clear your mind go out and shoot some pictures of something. And it just kind of takes the, you'll, chances are you'll be more focused on one than another and you'll care more about one than, than the other. 
-hmm. You'll probably care more about the one that you're having trouble with. So if you go out and then do the other one, photography, it sort of kind of takes your mind off the first one, but you might find some spontaneity in the other one and then it'll clear your head and you can go back and, and feel more refreshed and uh, be able to start where you, or pick up where you left off and actually have something to. Maybe you'll see to, something different yeah. that you didn't see before. It puts things into that. a different light when you change the medium. Yeah. yeah. For, so for just, me, I, I would kind of, kind of argue against that. Well, Not you completely. Know but. <laughs> you know what? I think you already talked, so. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Go. Oh, uh, can I say something, Danny? Yeah, go ahead. All right, is that fine? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Is it okay if it's an hour and 20 as opposed to an hour and 18? Give, huh? give, give me your opinion and I'll reject it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's hard for me to justify your remedy because like with, with my forms of art, uh, poetry and, and piano compositions, they're, they're, they tie so closely together. They're, they're so interconnected for me because a lot of my poems I've, I've put to music. A lot of my music I've put to words, you know, being poetry. So it, it's hard for me to, to detach myself from one medium. Okay. You know, like it, it's hard for me to play a piano song without thinking of some poetical lyrics, you know? So it, hmm. it, it wouldn't necessarily help for me, but I've, I haven't tried it. So I guess I should just shut my mouth. Shouldn't I? I should just shut up like a telescope. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Because well, a lot of this is exploring ideas, a lot of which we may have not even tried, but yeah. we're positing them anyway. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it just seems like if, if we're an, if, if someone is an artist, you know, there's different mediums that they use. And it just seems to me like one of them is usually their favorite. Yeah. Or it can, it can change, you know, one week they like, they like sculpting. And another week they like painting, but the one that they're having trouble with, and it's usually the one that they're overthinking is the one that they're having trouble with. So I think they need to back off that and focus on another one. Mm -hmm. okay. And then in doing that, the other one that they're focusing on, they're going to succeed in that one because they're not overthinking it. Because it's re, re, uh, yeah. recharged. They're using it as a kind of a therapy to get better at the one that they're initially trying to succeed in. So there you've just built yourself up in this other medium and then you're diversifying. Can, yeah. And then when you succeed in the other, the alternate one, that'll make you feel better and possibly break down the walls of not being able to I move forward. Break down these walls That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> my, the one that I put out there as a remedy, um, is definitely the antithesis of what you've proposed, Luke. So, oh. and I think that's good. I think that's good that we okay. have two differing perspectives here. So, this is what here's and here's a piece of alliteration for you. This is what I call the the Pressfield prescription. Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> I, I, you know what, I it's okay. I I reconcile it by your alliteration. <laughs> yeah, and it comes it comes from the author of the book that I mention every episode called The War of Art, written by Stephen Pressfield. So, if this is your first time ever hearing the show, then I'll quickly explain the uh, the underlying philosophy that Stephen Pressfield lays out in his book. 
And if you've already listened to this a bunch of times, then I'm sorry, but you're going to have to hear it again. <laughs> Two cans hey, aren't first, real. First yeah. time for me. Deal so. with it. Okay. Okay, good. Good. So I actually have a live person to explain it to you for the first time. I'm living. Uh, I'll keep it brief. So basically, uh, Pressfield is using the metaphor of war to describe art, as suggested in the title. And basically what Pressfield is saying is like, if you want to take art seriously, whether or not that means you're actually going to get to the point of making a living at it, set that aside for a second and just think about it in terms of if you want to do your art at a high level and you just want to take it seriously and care about it. Let's say that that's what pro is. Um, He has what he calls the amateur and the pro, and he has all kinds of things that he talks about that distinguishes the two. Um, But basically the, the underlying philosophy is in order to transcend the amateur level, one, what one must do is treat, treat your work, your artistic work so seriously or at least with the the same level of respect and tenacity as you would treat your regular day job. Meaning, what are what what do you do with your day job? You know, you show up every day. If you don't feel like going, you don't skip it. You show up anyway, and you do your work, and you get it done, and you work hard, regardless of what you feel like. You show up, you do the work, you don't make any excuses. You just do what you need to do. And so he's basically saying, you know, you should do the same thing with your art. You know, show up every day. And he uses this uh, metaphor of a hunter who's going out looking for the fat hare to kill. And the only way to get there is... Let it come to you. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> no, no he disagrees. He disagrees. He says you have to keep... You have to continue to be on the hunt and keep looking for it and keep pushing through and pushing through and pushing through until you found it. Interesting. And eventually you get the kill. And just because you got the kill for the day doesn't mean you're going to get the kill tomorrow. You can't live on yesterday's bread. You have to show up again and do the same thing. You got to put your time in. You have to put the time in and get it done regardless of what you feel like. And I'll put an arrow in that analogy. Yeah. Say say you go to shoot. Let me finish. Let me finish. And so then there's the force that works against you in doing that is what he calls resistance. And he capitalizes it as if he's talking about some sort of supernatural force that works against you. Like resistance is that thing that's always whispering in your ear telling you that you could go do something else you could go watch netflix you can basically the thing that's always fighting you in your pursuit to do your art and do your work and the thing that's always trying to get you to cave into something else to cave into whatever the other temptation is and to stop you from doing that and he's basically saying that the amateur and the pro what what separates them is the the pro is the person who's decided to and who consistently fights resistance and wins the battle every day. They show up every day. So that's why I'm calling this the Pressfield prescription. Okay. Push through your creative blocks by just doing it. Whether it comes out good, whether it comes out bad, doesn't matter because if you do that every day, eventually you're going to you're going to land on something good. See? So that's my remedy. My my wrench in the cogs is that you hunt, you hunt, you hunt, you hunt, and you find the the, the fatted pheasant or whatever you said earlier. The hair. Fat the cat fat rabbit. You find the fat hair, the, fat, the big fat rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> you find that thing, you shoot it, but the arrow bounces off because it's mechanical. It's a robot. It's fake. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's not... 
it's not, not the real? real thing because 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 it's forced. Yeah, you okay. you see your footsteps that are that are around this. You're going in circles. You know, everywhere you go, your footsteps are there. And I think the only way that inspiration can reach you is if is if you explore where where your footprints aren't. Is if you find if find a different animal every single time. No more fat jackrabbit. No more fat rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know why I was so vehement about it either. Fair enough. Just... I mean, you can think that the person who finally gets the hair and kills it, and then when they come up to it, they go, oh, it's not a real hair. Right. Oh, it it, maybe, maybe, you know, I, I was I was looking for it too much that I was I was totally deceived by it being a real hair it's not a real hair okay that that's my opinion that's fine and i have mine and that's good enough let let the listeners hear it and decide for themselves whichever case they find to be more compelling okay and whether and or not it's, whether it's nicks maybe you know which is something that was really not even in the middle of the debate it's just <laughs> right. something else entirely jack rabbit yep <laughs> okay but enough beating on the dead horse it's time to move on to uh poetry oh wow already Beating on the dead horse. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Does that not remind you of Better Call Saul? It does, actually. Okay. Cool. All right. Go ahead. This is called The Kiss of the White. As far back as I can remember... On the 23rd of a snowy December, I waddled outside fully alive and awake and saw, for the first time, a silvery flake. I remember the emotion as it landed on my nose, the shiver of revelation from my noggin to my toes. Crispy and cold, the snow was surreal, and I swore from then on that I'd never feel another sensation past the kiss of the white, for the newness was a pure and incomparable delight. Now I am a decade and seven years older. I've touched the soft snowflake a thousand times and over. But as it falls from the clouds and rests on my skin, I still feel the splendor of that first flake again. Beautiful. I love that one. Thank you. That's nice. Y'all were bashing winter, and I just I had to defend it with that. Well, when you when you portray snow as being a picture of purity, it's kind of hard to argue against it <laughs> when you... But what kind of a day to pull something like that? <laughs> <That's scary. laughs> yeah. Can I... Uh... Well, we had plenty of snow today and yesterday. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. I think that poem means that it's kind of a... Maybe like a, a symbol of being young, you know? Yeah. When we're, when we're, a ch- when we're children, everything is so bright and so new. And we see the little things. And then the older we get, we feel that slipping away. We're like, no, no, no. I remember this used to mean so much more to me. You know, now I'm just, I look at it, I look at this, and it's just, it's there. But even though you feel less, the colors just seem less vibrant. If you really concentrate, you can still always remember a glimpse of that feeling when you were young. Beautiful. I think that's what it, that's what it means to me. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. And I like how you use snow, such a terrifying, horrible thing, <laughs> and made it good. <laughs> yeah, I see it as um, 
I think of second chances, hmm. and I think of uh, I. In this instance, I view the snow as something that is uh, something. I mean, I can't help but think of uh, almost like what you know. Christianity says this a lot about how uh, Jesus dying is like your sins being washed white as snow. So mm-hmm. I kind of think of the same thing as like the snow is representing something that's uh, wiping the slate clean for you. And this is somebody who's getting a fresh start, a fresh start, a second chance. Uh, the old, the mistakes, the whatever is is wiped clean and washed away and forgotten about. And you're getting another shot at this like fresh start, hmm. um, hopeful start. Like, that's kind of, excuse me, that's kind of how I uh, received it, is like, this is, this is about second chances and about uh, a chance at getting, getting restored and and having a a fresh start, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Yeah. A clean, a clean start. Relatively positive connotations from you both. Yeah, that's what I intended, for sure. Okay, I thought you said that's. The opposite of what I <laughs> yeah, was that's that's going. completely wrong. Yeah, you're meant to hate snow after this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> impossible. <laughs> okay, now what does the writer have to say about it? Well, it's like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took something that that's natural, that that's beautiful to me, because winter was my favorite season for 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 as long as I can remember. And and everybody else around me just just despises it. And I thought, you need to realize that this is this is splendor too. This this it, yeah, it's cold. Yeah, you got to throw a coat on. Hmm. But this is beautiful. Look at the snowflake. And they're missing it. Look what you it. can do with this snow. Look at the fun you can have. Think of all the hot chocolate you can just guzzle down while while swimming in the snowbanks. You know, like. And, and the line is like, I've experienced this thousands of times over and over and over again. And, and every single time it's a beautiful thing to me. Like you never get old. You never, you never get tired of it. You never say to yourself, wow, this causes many accidents. No, you always say to yourself, there's a reason for this. And it's all to reflect back on. It's all homage to the beauty of creation. And snow is, is definitely part of it. It's, it's I like it. Yeah. So you've written it to the people that are not thinking about it that way. And it, so you're almost telling, challenging people to, uh, Hey, you know, you, you should see the beauty of what's in front of you right now. Like you're yeah. missing it because you're constantly wishing for the next thing. Yeah. What's, what's coming later instead of what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and also like, like wake up, get back to your reminiscent, childhood fascination of the tiniest little things mm-hmm. the worm squirming in the mud after it rains you know right you once thought to yourself wow look at this amazing sight but you know over the years right you know like come back to the simple things <laughs> <laughs> no think about how many hearts a worm has danny okay it's complex yeah <laughs> oh, yeah that's, mm-hmm. that's good Sounds good. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. <laughs> oh boy. Dry heat, oh. Danny. 
Yeah. Still. <laughs> now you guys are going to know exactly what that means. <laughs> I mean, all, all the listeners, are, they can tease me about it now. Dry heat, Danny. <laughs> yep. And that, that, that means it's time to go because you guys are going to just keep going on about that. <laughs> dry heat, Danny. Dry all heat, right. Danny. Dry okay. Heat. All right. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Every Last, last Drop. Drop Podcast. Every Last Drop Every Podcast. Last Drop. That's right. And God, for, we need to be more coordinated about that. Yeah. <laughs> For all information regarding the show, visit www.everylastdroppodcast.com and you'll find everything you need to know there. And you can visit our Patreon page as well, patreon.com slash everylastdrop. If you're interested in joining the Every Last Drop Club, Every Last Drop (laughs) Club, not cloud, Every Last Drop Club, this is the one It's like a rain cloud. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you're interested in joining the Every Last Drop Club for just starting at just $1 a month, for less than a pack of gum, (laughs) you you can be in the club. Oh, wow. Those marketing skills, boy. They're oozing out. (laughs) Yep. All right. Thanks Thanks for sticking with us and joining. Share the show as well. We would definitely love that. Thanks, guys. Yep. Next time. Jack Rabbit. (laughs) Next time.